Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Wilmington. All right. You want to turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 13, or you can go there on your Bible app if you want to. Chapter 13, and I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. I'm in the New Living Translation. This is, my, this is our, our text for the day. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, or Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him dead because he had laid his hand on the ark. So Uzzah died there in the presence of God. You ever read a Bible verse and you're like, what? God, that's terrible. It's terrible and what? I don't get it. Like, that doesn't make sense. Uh, you ever like read a Bible verse and you're like frustrated or annoyed? Like, I don't even know. So I was reading this recently and I read this verse and I was like, God, that just... In, in the light of a New Testament believer, that just does not make sense to me. And it's, um, it's frustrating to me. So I thought that would be a fun verse to start with. Yeah, see if I can get people stirred up and really. Uh, but I want to unpack it a little bit today. And, and I, as I was thinking about it, you know, as I was exploring it myself, and I've heard sermons on this before as but what I want to do is kind of give a little bit of context about what was going on when this happened. And then I want to dive into a little bit of, well, what did that probably mean for Uzzah and for the people that were around him in that day? So maybe we'll talk a little bit about, like, what did that mean? Why? What was going on? Um, and then what does it mean for us today? Because how many of you know that, like, some things that happened in the Old Testament are still going on today? But some things stopped and something's changed, right? So we're going to take a look at it. Okay, I won't give it away. All right, but I will say I was really annoyed. So let's take a look. Okay, so in this verse, David had just gathered an entire force, military force of people, and had gathered all of Israel together. And David was be, had been um, just declared king of all of Israel. So before this, he was just king of Judah. So now, here we see, Saul had passed away some years ago. David now becomes king of all Israel. And he gathered this massive force. If you read the chapter beforehand, I did the math. I think it's something like 340-ish thousand military troops, not including all of the other people of Israel. 340,000 people, military troops plus. So probably half a million more, maybe. And his first act as king... He wanted to go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it into the city. Well, that, that's probably a worthy, like that's pretty worthy, right? <laughs> Back some 20 years ago, um, before this, sorry, not 20 years ago today, 20 years before this, the Israelites thought it would be a really good idea. They were losing battles, and they thought it would be a really good idea if they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the battle, like that would win it for them. God didn't really tell them to do that. They were just like, I know. Let's bring the ark into the covenant, and then surely we'll win. And instead, God 
thought that was a really bad idea. The Philistines took the ark. Well, then some bad things happened to the Philistines because they had the Ark of the Covenant. And then so they just dropped it off. And when they dropped it off, uh, they dropped it off in this little, little city. And, um, and it sat there for 20 years. Paul also, or I'm sorry, not Paul. David said that he, Saul had mistreated the Ark of the Covenant while he was king. So during that 20 years, Saul was king during that time frame. And he also mistreated the Ark of the Covenant. So sitting in this place, basically just under stewardship for all these years. And David consulted his officials, his generals. You know, he was like a military guy. This is like the height of his military, right? He had just conquered the kingdom. He was like, okay, let me get my military guys together. Do you think we should go get the ark? Yeah, we should go get the ark. Perfect, let's go get the ark. So they sat down, and we're going to read 1 Chronicles 13, 8. So we're just going to go back one verse if you're still there. David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, singing songs, playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. Like, David's heart was like, let's go get the ark, and let's bring it in, and let's worship the Lord, and they did worship the Lord. He had 340,000 military folks go with him to bring this ark into the city, and then this terrible thing happened. Where Uzzah touched it and he died. Like I think, I think David's heart was in the right place. You know, the the place where it was sitting, right before um, it, it got parked at this house, which happens to be Uzzah's house. Um, some people looked in the ark, which was forbidden, and God killed like seventy people because they looked in the ark. So that's just a little bit of that story. And so David gets it. They build this brand new ox cart. They put the ark on it because we don't want to use an old ox cart. Like it's got to be new, right? So that it doesn't fall apart. It'll be great. We'll bring the ark into the city. They put the ark. And as they're going down the street, Uzzah, who was the son of this guy's house that the ark had been in the last 20 years, Uzzah and his brother, they were, uh, Uzzah might have been the older brother. I don't know. His name's listed first. Sometimes that means stuff. I don't know. But they were on the, both sides of the ark, and they're walking. And the ark, you just, the, ox, the ox stumbled, and the ark tilts. And Uzzah's like, ah, 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 and he touches it. And God kills him, strikes him dead. So what happened? Like, that's the context. What happened? I, 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 as I was leading, three things jumped out at me. One, the ark was set apart as holy. The ark was holy. Like, I'm trying to remember, did Uzzah, how old was Uzzah? Because it was only 20 years ago where God killed 70 people when they looked in the ark at his house. Well, right outside his house. Like, did he not remember that? Or I mean, sure, like he'd been heard the stories. So maybe it was a, like a reaction. Maybe he forgot to keep his hands off. But we know not only that 70 people, but all the way back, like, when the ark was created, God said, nobody can touch it. Don't touch it. It's holy. He gave very, very, very specific directions about why not to touch it. So maybe Uzzah was kind of well-meaning, but the reality was the ark is holy. If you touch it, you will die. Like God was really clear. There was not unclarity about that. Okay? So the ark is really holy. Second thing 
The ark was meant to be carried by people. So there were these long um, carrying poles. If you go back in Exodus and read like all about the um, building of the ark, there was these rings that were mounted to the side of the ark, which is basically a box. And these carrying poles were put in these rings. And it was, they, they were permanent. God said, don't ever take the carrying poles out of the rings. They're permanent. And that is how they're to be carried. So in my opinion... Well, let me jump to that. So God had, while, while they had good intentions to build a brand new ox cart, because <laughs> they wanted to do the right thing, that wasn't God's plan. God clearly directed them, carry it by the poles. Now, maybe he knew that was the safest way. If you had these rings that like permanently mounted and you had these poles, maybe, maybe his very detailed directions, he knew if you carry it that way, you won't touch it. You're going to be safe. But they didn't follow his directions again. The second piece, they they didn't follow his directions. All right, the third point is not only was it made to be carried by people, but the ark was made to be carried by the priests. So Uzzah, I actually don't blame him for this one. Like, maybe he didn't. He was just taking directions from the king. (laughs) He was not from the clan that was made, there was literally one of the clans, was, that was their job, was to carry, to carry the ark every time it moved. He wasn't from that clan, and he wasn't even a Levite. So if you know, all the priests came through the Levite clan, or the Levite tra- tribe, rather. He wasn't a Levite. He was uh, from the tribe of Judah, which was actually from the same tribe that David was from. And so he was carrying... He was attending to the ark, which he really didn't have the right to do. God was very clear in his directions. Only the priests can handle the ark. And they had to go through a crazy ritual ceremony to be purified themselves so they could even be near it or touch it or be around it. They couldn't touch it, but to be around it and to move it. This is interesting as we talk about him not being in the place. This is, is this too dry? It's like, <laughs> this is interesting to me. Um, again, I don't necessarily blame Uzzah for this one because he was taking directions, but God used Uzzah to tell a story. Um, Uzzah's name means her strength. Can you imagine growing up back then as a dude and your name meaning her strength? And back then names meant something. Her strength. I was like, Lord, that's really weird. Her strength? Like, don't you mean his strength? What's the Lord saying? Because the place actually ended up being um, called um, to burst out against. Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, which means to burst out against her strength. Who's her strength? Israel is referred to her. Israel, Israel pulls up with 340,000 people. David said, I'm going to go. Did God tell him to go get the ark? David said he was going to go get the ark. So in my opinion, God might be saying, Israel in her strength rolled out to do this thing and to put it on the cart and in her strength decided the best way 
to do it. And in her strength, didn't pay attention to the way I told them to do it. And unfortunately, somebody's life ended because of it. David actually got really mad because of this. And I think he got mad because he probably felt some blame. He probably felt guilty for putting Uzzah in that place. And actually, David learned his lesson because it sits in the house of Obed-Edom for like three months. And then David brings it into the city. But this time, he gets the priests and they purify themselves and they carry it in on the poles like it was meant to be. And they go forward before it and worship. And this is the place where David's dancing in his undergarments, right, into the city. And it's a crazy example of the goodness of God and the presence of God coming into the city finally. This pre, like, precedes that by three months. So David learned his lesson. And I hope that Uzzah was one of the guys that Jesus met after he died. You know, when he went and went down into Hades and met people and set them free. And I hope it was Uzzah because Uzzah was like, I feel like I got a bad rap here. I was just trying to do my best, Lord. I can't flash back and see. But, okay, so context, that's what's going on. History, it was literally these guys just did not pay attention to the directions of the Lord. So what does this mean for us? Like, and I'll propose that what it meant for them may not be what it meant is meant for us. So I've heard, I've heard some teachings on this. Like I said, I mean, we could probably, we could talk all day about how holy God is. And that would be a worthy message. <laughs> you know, we could talk all day about how obedience is important. And that's a great message. And we could probably talk about, well, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard people say, and, and you'll see some things out there about how if you attempt to direct God's work with your own hand, that you'll be spiritually dead. Like that's some messages that revolve around this. But I, I kind of propose something else, if I may. Um, What did the Ark of, covenant, of the Covenant represent? So the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. It was the presence. It's where God physically lived between the cherubim on, on the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, so if we're going to apply some learnings, let's, let's start there. The Ark equals the presence. So far, so good? Okay. Some of you are like, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> All right. So wherever the presence, sorry, wherever the ark went, the presence went. So on this side of the cross, what does this story tell us about the presence? That's what I want to jump into next. Can we do that? There's probably a thousand lessons in this story, so I'm not saying that these are the, the only right ones. They might not even be right. Y'all can judge for yourself. So let's jump back. The presence was too holy for people to touch, right? We established that. God said, my presence is too holy, right? The Ark of the Covenant was too, it represented the presence. The presence was too holy to touch or even be around. Well, what did Jesus do about that? Jesus ripped the curtain, when Jesus was on the cross, his final breath, he let out 
and the curtain ripped. The curtain that was in the Holy of Holies, where at that point the Ark of the Covenant was rested, the presence of God rested. He ripped it. Okay, turn with me, Hebrews 10. It's a lot further back than I was turning. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. I am a holiness guy. Like, God is holy. But y'all, Jesus made us a way to be in the presence. Ourselves in the presence. God is not sitting in some far off place still with a curtain in place that says, you got to go through a priest to get to me. He's actually not saying, don't touch my presence, it's too holy. Jesus died so that we could have access again to the presence. I don't think this story says that the presence is too holy. I think this story says now, the presence is holy and you have access. That's amazing. That's really good news. Like we get to be in the presence of God. I think it's something I take for granted. You know, because I've grown up not with an Old Testament mindset in some ways. I think in some ways I have though, right? In some ways I have felt like our culture says, you know, that Again, God is far off somewhere, you know, but he's right here and we have access and God's Jesus now says, come boldly, come boldly into the presence. If Uzzah was a New Testament believer and he put his hand on the presence of the Lord, I bet the Lord would have been delighted because of he'd see Jesus in it. He'd see Jesus putting his hand on him. That's amazing. To me, y'all aren't so excited. The presence was meant to be carried by people. Now y'all know where I'm going with this. See, in this example, they made a cart. A cart is a type of vehicle, right? And I'll make the jump. Maybe you've heard vehicles can sometimes talk of like in in like um, interpreting dreams, for example, if there's a vehicle in your dream, some kind, sometimes that can represent a ministry. So I'll make a jump here. <laughs> the presence was meant to be carried by people, not by ministries. Well, let's flash forward. The presence ultimately landed in the temple, but that's not where it stayed. Jesus ripped open the curtain, right? Because the presence was meant to be carried by people, not a building, Not a temple, not a church. It was meant to be carried by people. All right, let's jump. 1 Corinthians, just in case you don't believe me, 3, 16. You should always fact check me. Otherwise, I might get squirrely. 
Uh, Maya's fact-checking me. All right. Verse 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 16. Ready? Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? All along, God was painting this picture about the presence, and he was setting us up through the death of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we would actually house the presence, the presence. So not only is the presence not untouchable, it actually lives inside us. You actually can't not touch it. It's in you. Try to do that. Try to like not touch, like, I don't know. It's in you. The pre- and we're made to carry it. Not a ministry, not a vehicle, not a church. We, 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 we get to carry it. We get to carry it into all we do. Isn't that amazing? Now, I believe that God, I believe that sometimes there's spiritually charged atmospheres. Have you ever walked in a room and you're like, whoa, this place is juicy. Like God is in this place. Or have you ever walked in a room and you've been like, whoa, this place is dark. Right? Like Jesus actually talks about that when he's sending out his, his disciples and he's like, hey, when you go to the house, like if your peace returns to you, stay. If it, if it doesn't, like watch out. <laughs> like there's, there's a thing about a presence sitting on a place, no doubt. And the Bible says that the Lord inhabits our praises, right? In Psalms. But after Jesus, it also inhabits us, his presence, right? So I'm not taking it away like it sits other places, but we were created to carry it. It might be supercharged places, but we were made. Oh, so far so good? Okay. Not only was the ark made to be carried by people, it was made to be carried by priests. Oh, this gets even better. All right. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 9, I got a trick, y'all. I'm starting to, like, when I speak, use my real Bible. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, like, apps, by the way. I keep bringing them. Like, I love my Bible app. But I realize I've been noticing when, when pastors or preachers talk from their real Bible, it gives people a chance to find the verse if they want to. So, I thought that would be fun. All right, 1 Peter 2, 9. Hmm. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Who's a priest? You're a priest. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you're a royal priest. And I'm not um, trying to discredit, like, people that are in places of leadership in churches, <laughs> not just because I don't want to discredit myself. But, like, there's a great place for pastors and, like, real-life priests in this world, priests, pastors, leaders, elders. There's a great place for that. But we do not have to go through those people to get to Jesus. We ourselves are the priests, the royal priesthood, which comes with a lot of 
honor and a lot of responsibility, right? But we were made to carry the presence into the kingdom. Like this verse says, go out. Go out, right? We were made to carry the kingdom to other people. Mary, we have a good friend, and she's been coming down some. She's not here today, so I'll talk about her. She's been coming down some to pray before our meetings and walk in in Wilmington. And and we've had a chance to walk in Wilmington and and pray. And and she said on one of these trips, she was down here, and she was walking down, and she saw this dome over, over the city of Wilmington, not physically, but like, you know, spiritually saw this dome over Wilmington. It was like darkness, just covering. And as she was walking and praying, she saw these holes being punched into the dome and letting light pour into the dome. And as we carry the presence with us into all the places where we are, God is with us. We established that. You guys already agreed that Christ lives in us. You guys already agreed with that. I saw all of you shake your heads earlier. So that means as we go, he goes. And as we carry his presence, which we were created to do, we impact the world around us. Like we bring the kingdom of heaven with us where we go, even into Walmart. That's a joke. We carry the kingdom with us. And we really are getting excited about this idea of punching holes into this, like, you know, dome. And I'm jacked about this idea that the lightness, like, darkness can't outshine. Like, darkness can't cover light. Like, if you have an, a, a just ounce of lightness, it, you'll see it. You can't get too dark to hide light. If there's light presence, it's visible. Light wins. Jesus wins. So I'm really excited as we go out like River Life Wilmington, and by we, I mean we. Whatever capacity that is for you, if you're coming to visit on vacation, or if you're just praying for us, or if this is the only time, this is the last time you'll be here, and you'll just like think like, oh, I remember when River Life Wilmington started. But don't stop praying for us if you don't come back. Still pray for us. But we go out as, as believers and we get to impact the kingdom. We get to bring the kingdom and the presence with us because the presence was made to be carried by us because we are the priests. So we get to go out and we get to impact whether you know it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's at the doctor's office, whether it's in our homes, we get to go out. And just bring the presence with us. Isn't that amazing? I'm really excited that Jesus changed this story. <laughs> you know? I'm excited that he changed the story. Um, and I'm, I want to live from the fullness of what he did. And I want our church to reflect the fullness of what he did. Wow, that's my timer. Is it my timer? All right. Well, I'm actually going to wrap up, so it's good timing. So our heart, um, so take that if you want to. I do think it applies to us. I think if you, have not, if you have not seen yourself as a carrier of the presence of God, 
if you have felt like the presence of God is outside of you and you have to do something to get it, the only thing you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. And he did it. So if you, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, I invite you to believe. Because he paid a price to return you to right relationship with God the Father. And in that goodness, if you are a believer, I encourage you today to kind of wake up yourself <laughs> and remind yourself that the presence of God lives in you and you get to carry that. You have the privilege and the authority to carry that into everywhere you go. And that's what I want our church, River Life Wilmington, I want us to carry the presence. I want us to bring the presence. I want people to walk in and, and feel the presence. I want people to be changed by the presence. Oh, my gosh, we could do a whole series on what happens then if we carry the presence. People get healed. People touch the garment. People get in the shadow. You go through the New Testament, there's all these stories about people being just just encountering it, and their lives changed. Chronic illnesses are healed. All right, we won't, I'm not going to preach on that today. But that's exciting, and I wanted to share that because I want you all to know that's what River Life we want to be about. We want to be about kingdom, carrying the kingdom. We talk about kingdom culture as one of our five core values, and, and for me, it starts here. We are, the presence is, lives in us, and we get to carry it. All right. Amen. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.